the tiny engines of pollinating power circle and settle on purple borage, oregano, rosemary, flowering squash, dandelions, for bees, the creatures whose buzz evokes fear, but who we rely on for every three bites of food we eat, the plants in this garden are forage, food for survival. As the days grow short, honeybees will continue to forage, storing food for winter. Basically, I'm just trying to create an ecosystem here. Urban food warrior and educator Caitlin Moore's ecosystem is one where flowering plants and weeds, herbs and bunch grass nurture bees and predators who eat pests. Because when we destroy all of their habitat, we are destroying our own hope for the future. You may not think bees are in jeopardy in bee-friendly habitats like this, but for much of the past decade, beekeepers around the country have found their honeybees dead or missing. More than 30% of all hives in the U.S. collapsed last year. In July 2013, more than 50,000 bees dropped dead in Oregon, the largest bee die-off in recorded history. I would say anybody who has a garden needs to set aside, even if it's just 5% of your garden that is dedicated toward habitat plants, permanent habitat plants that is an undisturbed area. Again, Caitlin Moore. You will be paid back tenfold in pollination and also pest control. The decline in bees is attributed to many factors, the loss of forage and poor nutrition, pathogens, pesticides and herbicides, trucking bees cross-country to pollinate fields, climate change. Not everyone agrees on which may be causing the die-offs, but the loss of forage on agricultural lands, highways and riverbeds, often in the form of flowering weeds, troubles master beekeeper Franklin Heineke. A member of the Washington Honeybee Working Group, Heineke says state weed control policies, particularly those involving chemicals, need review. And in some of those cases, especially eastern Washington, those are aerial sprays. And so it's just acres and acres. Native plants and weeds, legumes, clover, vetch are all killed, she says. Basically what's left after they spray is grass. Of 142 plants on the state's noxious weed list, 27 are critical for honeybees and other pollinators, says Heineke. Among them, knotweeds, knapweeds, yellow star thistle, blackberry, and English ivy. The state noxious weed control board looks at the situation very differently. Noxious weeds like these are invasive and cause enormous harm to farmers and wetlands. Weed laws, says the board's Allison Holcomb, were established to protect agriculture and natural resources. Farmers were concerned about Canada thistle spreading from farm to farm. Landowners were required to control certain noxious weeds. By 1987, the statute was amended to reflect the impact of noxious weeds on stream banks, among them knotweed. It will displace all of the native willows, all of the native riparian species. It will completely shade these stream banks and make them inaccessible. Knotweed can change nutrient recycling in headwaters, says Holcomb, impacting salmon, macroinvertebrates, and the entire food web. Where noxious weed policy gets thorny is the issue of control methods, namely herbicides and pesticides. The state doesn't require control of all classes of weeds, says Holcomb. Counties and local jurisdictions make their own laws on what forage is considered a threat. The end result, say concerned beekeepers, is reliance on herbicides to control plants and pesticides to control insects rather than integrated pest management or building healthy ecosystems. Bee survival is at stake, says Heineke. If that was a third of the beef cattle that were dying every year, 
would one of our responses be to take away some of their food? Washington State doesn't collect data on the number of acres treated with pesticides. The only publicly held data is for spraying on highways. That data was unavailable before this story was produced. The state also does not collect sales or use information on what chemical products are used, says Kelly McLean, senior natural resource scientist with the Department of Agriculture. In an email, she said a recent survey of non-agricultural use in Puget Sound counties found herbicides were the top category of pesticides purchased for use by homeowners. Within that, the top two herbicide active ingredients were glyphosate, best known as Roundup, and 2,4-D, best known as the herbicide found in weed and feed products. The plight of bees is on the radar of the state's Noxious Weed Control Board. It recently published a booklet, Bees and Noxious Weed Control, Finding Common Ground. Planting natives is one piece of advice. Their website highlights bee-friendly flowers, plants, and trees, such as mountain ash and willows, clover, cosmos, heather, lemon balm. The challenge is to get buy-in from enough farmers and ranchers, urban and rural gardeners, county control boards and policymakers to make forage and habitat for pollinators a priority. Without it, say bee advocates, much of the nation's food supply is at risk. This story is brought to you with support from the Human Links Foundation, engineering by C.J. Lazenby. From the studios of Jack Straw Productions, this is Martha Baskin.